0: Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. And we're having some fun. We're, We're going through the book of Galatians. It's only six chapters long, and God permitting, we'll hit chapter three today. Come on, I think we can do this. But it's just been really fun, and really what we're doing is we're looking at it, just going verse by verse, And seeing what God was saying through Paul to the churches of that day, which, and what we're finding is so much of that applies to us today. And I say through Paul because the Bible was written by man, authored by God. And really what that means is men wrote down what the Holy Spirit told them to, and that is where we get our Bible from. That's why it's written over this huge span, yet does not contradict itself. That's why it has multiple writers, but one author, and still does not contradict itself. It's an amazing, amazing book. And so we're just kind of going right through it. And last week, as we were going through this, we're in Galatians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If it's on your phone, that's fine. Whatever you've got, get on there. If you're so bored, you're looking at something else That's my fault, I kind of think. But anyways, but go ahead, get on something, and so you can follow along. I'll be reading from the NIV, but you can read from whatever translation um, that you have right there. But last week, we really looked at Paul's correcting some stuff that was going on because some false brothers, as he calls them, came in and are like, hey, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for you guys, for you Gentiles. We've talked about this. Gentiles really means anybody who was not a Jew. So if you're not a Jew, then you you follow that Gentile category. That would be me. He's like, it's great that you Gentiles, you non-Jews have come to Jesus, but now guess what? You need to follow all of these laws. And they're like, wait a second, but I thought Jesus died for my sins. He's like, he did, but you also need to do all of this. I'm like, well, wait a second, I'm confused. And so Paul comes in and he's like, okay, we've got to address that. And that's what he was doing. And somebody who was kind of leading this this charge was Peter. And so Paul comes in, and we talked about this last week, that he talks to Peter face-to-face. He's like, hey, what you're doing isn't right. And he he addresses the issue face-to-face. So we're going to jump in right here, Galatians 2, verse 12, and it says this. This is Paul talking to the church and to you and I today. Before certain men came from James... He, Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. He's still addressing this with Peter. But when they arrived, he, Peter, drew back and separated himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. We talked about that last week, that circumcision group. The sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham, Genesis 17, the sign of that covenant was circumcision. So he's talking to him, when he says this circumcision group, he's not talking about just males or females, he's just saying, this is the group that's saying you have to follow this law. So this is, this is this group here, the circumcision group, verse 13. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. This is one of those pictures of like, none of us are as dumb as all of us. Like that's the, that, that, that's the picture that you have here. Here's here's what we see. Barnabas is even led astray. Peter's like, okay, there's this group that's coming and they're uncomfortable with me hanging out with these Gentiles because they're not following these laws. So I'm going to draw back from them. And Barnabas is like, I know better than this. But then the group gets so big that Barnabas is like, but am I wrong? Because can all of them be wrong or am I wrong? Have you ever looked at your situation and thought, like, it's everybody else, and then you have that same issue somewhere else, and you're like, is it me? Anybody ever ask, is it me? Some of you need to just, okay, this is your assignment. You need to ask yourself, is it me? Okay, because only like four hands went up. The rest of you are like, it never is. It's all, it never, ever is. Well, Barnabas asks himself that question, is it me? And this is the thing, this is, this is groupthink. When there's such a large group that thinks one thing, it is not easy to stand your ground. And they've done, they've done little social experiments where they bring people in and they sit them down and they'll have four or five people sit behind a table and they ask them, um, What way is this arrow pointing? This is just an example. And Everybody says, well, the arrow's pointing north. And they're like, oh, okay, great. And they they ask simple questions to all of the people, but they have one in the group or two in the group, and sometimes it'll be like three out of the five that are plants in the group. And the three out of the five all intentionally answer wrong. They're like, what color is this? And they all say fuchsia, and it's just downright green. And what they find is the majority of us, even though we look and can see and know it's, it's green, we'll kind of be like, fuchsia. The majority of us want to, we have this thing in us that we want to be a part. And that's just, that's just us. We want to be a part of what's going on. And it affects every area of our life and every age group. There's not an age group where you grow out of this and it's like, oh, that's just teenagers and young people. Oh, yeah. They're so easily swayed and it's just that group does something. Don't run off a cliff just because they do. <laughs> Anybody's parents ever tell you that? And you're like, well, this is water at the bottom. I'm going. I don't know. That sounds fun. But there's not an age that we grow out of this. But this is what, this is what happens to Barnabas, that the group is so big that's wrong that Paul's like, even Barnabas was persuaded. And he's like, Barnabas was Paul's buddy. Barnabas had been running with Paul. They've been doing this, reaching the Gentiles. This is what they've been doing together. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait, how, how did you get this wrong? He got it wrong because there was so many people. We have this thing on the inside of us. We want to be a part. We want to kind of fit in. And there's certain groups, and some of you are like, I don't like to fit in. I bet there's a group that you fit in really well with. A group. You might not with this one, and you might, not, you might be able to see, like, oh, well, I don't want to be a part of that group, and I just don't fit in with that group, and I don't this and that. But then there's other groups. I've heard it said that uh, we, we make friends when we meet people and they say something, in our, and we just think, me too. They say, I hunt, and we're like, ooh, me too. They say things like, I went mountain biking, and we're like, ooh, me too. We, we, we kind of get excited. I was at a, at a conference this week with a bunch of people I didn't know, like at all, and I was there all by myself. Normally, Becca goes with me, but I was there all by myself, which is just Really weird because it never happens to me. I always have Becca or one of the kids. I'm, I'm usually just not alone. And I'm there and it's just a bunch of people I don't know. There's a bunch of pastors. And I'm just like standing in the back and I'm, and I'm getting to know some people. And I had that where I, I'm talking to a guy and, and, and I'm like, where are you from? And he's like, I'm from Colorado. I'm like, ooh, I was just in Colorado. <laughs> and he's like, oh. And I'm like, I'm like so he, he had just moved to Michigan. And I said, well, do you? you moved to Michigan, welcome, and he's like, yup, and I said, do you like the outdoors, he goes, oh, I love the outdoors, and I was like, ooh, me too, <laughs> and then he got, and I'm like, do you mountain bike, he's like, oh yeah, my kids are real upset that we haven't gotten out yet, and I'm like, ooh, I do too, and so do my kids, <laughs> it's all of us, we have that thing where we, we want it, we want to, to, we want to be a part. We want to find people that are like us, even those that we love to be like ourselves. Yeah, we identify these groups, but we have to be careful of that group think, of just being like, if there's that many people thinking it, shouldn't it be right? We really need to be on guard against that. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. And teenagers are like, we hear this all the time, absolutely. But it's not just for you. But there's a reason why mom and dad are so interested in the people that you're hanging out with and like, well, who is it and where are you and what are they doing and are their parents going to be there and what are they alive? There's a reason they're asking all of this. And it's probably not because you're evil, but they're worried about who you're with because bad company corrupts the good character that you are. There's a reason they're like, wait a minute, what is going on? They may have some stories that they don't want to share about the impact that friends have had and stuff like that. I remember I asked my dad. I was like, what were you like as a kid? And he's like, not good. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 I no, need, I need more than that. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, what, what were you like, and what were the things that you got into? And I'm like, because I ran into, I had run into somebody um, who knew my dad in school. And he's like, your dad. He should tell you, I could tell you, he should tell you. I've got stories on your dad. And I was like, oh, really? So I went to my dad, and I was like, will you tell me some of those stories? And he goes, nope. And I'm like, what? He goes, I confessed my sins to God and your mother. I'm done. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. 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 A lot of us, we have stories that we're just like, I don't even want to tell them. And your mom and dad might be like, why are they past me? Why are they asking me? There's a reason that they are asking. There's a very, very good reason. One of my favorite verses on this is Proverbs 13, verse 20. And it says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And I love this. It, says, it, says, it says companion. It's not like, ooh, best buddies. But you just you find yourself with a group that you shouldn't be, and it's the companion of the fool that suffers harm. And I think so many times, it's not even the foolish one that gets, that gets caught, gets in trouble, gets hurt, has to pay the consequences for it. It's the companion that does. It's just the companion. This is not just, okay, this is, this is the teenage message. This is for the young. No, 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 no. One of of my favorite authors when it comes to marriage is Jimmy Evans. He just does an amazing job, and he has a a marriage ministry. So he teaches on marriage, travels around, does conferences on marriage, does lots of counseling on marriage, and this is what he has to say about divorce. He says, divorce is a communicable disease. He's like, if somebody's getting a divorce, they've got a friend. He says nine out of ten times, they've got a friend who's helping them, who's pushing them along, who's also divorced and is like, oh, don't a divorce, blah, 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 and is talking about it and, and trying to sell it up, usually selling it to themselves as they do. And I'm not saying we don't ever have a relationship with somebody who's ever been divorced. No, absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. But we are careful who we're hanging out with, the people that we're choosing to be with, because bad company corrupts good morals the companion of the fool is the one that suffers harm. And so often we don't see it in ourselves. We, we, we don't recognize it when we're with that group. But those of us that are married, we've got this wonderful thing called our spouses. And they can see it. They so often do. And that's why Becca has veto rights on my friends. If if I'm hanging out with people and I come back and she's like, I'm just telling you, you don't treat me right when you come back, or you're, you're, the way that you talk is different, or I've just sensed it, I just sense it, I don't like it. She's like, I don't want you hanging out with them. And then I won't. Well, isn't that childish? I don't think so. I think it's biblical. I'll just go with that. Bad company corrupts good morals. If she senses it, if she's like, hey, I see the difference in you, I can get rid of them. That is not, that is not a problem at all. Because bad company corrupts good morals. But the Bible says, Psalms 1 says this. It was one of the first verses I ever memorized. And I actually memorized it because my brother was memorizing it. You couldn't make me, but my older brother was memorizing it. He was three years older than me. So he'd be there reciting this verse and trying to memorize it with mom. And I picked it up, and then he'd yell at me, like, he's memorizing my verse, mom. (laughs) Little kids, right? So I almost sing it because that's how my mom taught it. And so I I still, I almost sing it. And I I actually memorized the NIV 84 version, which is a little bit older and you can find it now. But it's this, it's how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he will meditate day and night. He will be like, I, I could keep going on that one. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. That's, that's not where we get advice. That's not where we go. That's not where we go. Good advice is biblical advice. Yeah, we're going to read books by authors, and we're going we're to learn from anybody we can. But every time it disagrees with the word of God, we're going to say, nope, and we're going to get rid of it. doesn't matter how many. doesn't matter how big the crowd is. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to move from there. They say this. They say that the young, the the millennials and the the Gen Zs, that their number one fear is FOMO, fear of missing out. They want to be a part of the group. They want to be included in that group. They, They want to be in that group. Barnabas wanted to be in that group so much that Paul's like, how? How did you get a part of this? Barnabas had FOMO. He had the fear of missing out. We're going to stand alone sometimes. Hopefully, you're standing with your small group, and you're not all by yourself. Hopefully, you've got some people around you that you've taken the time now to get plugged in to meet people. To not just come to church and walk out, but to be like, okay, who, 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 who else is like me? Who can help me to grow? Who's further along than I am? Maybe a little bit older, a little bit farther along that could help me, that could speak to me the situation that I'm in. Hopefully, you've taken that time so that you're not all by yourself. So when the time comes and the crowds go in a different direction, you're like, no, I'm not doing that, right? And you've got people behind you like, yeah, that's right. they are like, yeah, that's right. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. The fear of people, the fear of missing out, but trusting the Lord means safety. We've got to have our trust in God and know what His Word says. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We need to know what God's Word has to say. So Paul's, Paul's addressing this, and he says this in verse 14. We're back to Galatians. He says, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you're trying to force Gentiles to live and follow Jewish customs? He's like, This is all, you don't even do this, and you're asking somebody else to do what you're not willing to do. He's like, What? But you know, you don't. He's confused which makes sense, but he does something here. He's already addressed this with Peter, but now he does something different. He does something different in verse 14. He addresses it with Peter in front of everybody, it says. Now, I was always taught that like if, you have pra- if you're going to praise somebody, you do it publicly, but if you have to correct somebody, you do it privately. Anybody else taught that ever? Okay, the rest of you? Anybody taught that? You can all raise your hands now because I just taught you that. (laughs) Still hands aren't going up. Okay, fine, fall asleep, whatever. Like you said, we could be on our phones. Okay, okay, (laughs) apparently. But what Peter, what happens to Peter here is Paul's like, I talk to him in front of everybody. And that jumps out at me because it's like, why would you do that? I don't want to be corrected in front of everybody, but there's a reason. James 3 says this. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. There's a different standard for those who teach, for those who are like, well, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm going to do this. I'm an expert on this. Okay, I want to teach this. God's like, you'll be judged more strictly. And in 1 Timothy 5, 19, it says this, don't entertain an accusation against an elder in a church unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. And that's what Paul does here. That's why he, in front of everybody, is like, okay, Peter, you taught this. I'm going to correct it so that everybody who heard it, he's like, okay, this is what happened. And I've, I have actually been in a church before where a guest speaker is up, he shares, gets up, teaches, and I was like, ooh, that's interesting. And I don't even remember exactly what he said, but I was like, I kind of wrote it down. I was like, I'm going to have to look at that. And when he got down, the pastor got up and was like, thank you so much for coming. That was just absolutely, I absolutely love that. However, I do need to correct one thing. And he, in front of everybody, and you're like, ooh, really? <laughs> yes. And that's, that's because you don't let that seed fall in. You don't let that seed that was planted with all that good teaching. He's like, he was off on this one thing. And he just very. he's like, you know I need to do this. And so he just kind of laid it out and he said this. And I don't even remember everything that he said, but I remember sitting down there. I was a teenager and I was like, oh my goodness. I don't ever want to be a good speaker here. <laughs> what if I got it wrong? But there's something a little different. When it comes, and so that's why we see this. That's why we see Paul in front of everybody being like, hey, look, this is how this is supposed to be. This is how we're gonna correct that. And so in lieu of that, and knowing that, when we even set up Life West and how, how we're set up, um, I'm the lead pastor, Beck and I, we lead together, but there are overseers, which are three pastors who pastor other churches, who get my podcast, who listen to what's going on, and if they hear that something isn't right, they know, and they've been instructed, hey, your job is to come in and be like, all right, guys, this isn't right. Because we want to do what the Bible says. And we want to have a system set up for that. So it's not like, oh, well, he was totally off. What do we do now? I have no idea. Do you? I don't know. Hmm, Let's just leave it alone. (laughs) That would be way too easy. So we want to have a system set up So we have local elders like, hey, this isn't right. They call in these pastors. The pastor's like, yep, they have spiritual authority. They're leading and they come in and they say, okay, this wasn't right. And they'll come in and correct and fix it because we need to follow what the Bible has to say. It takes a little effort sometimes, but we want to do what the Bible has to say. Verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, know that a man is not justified by observing the law. It's a pound it in these guys. This is not how we do it. We're not made right with God because of the way that we act, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Why? Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It does not work. Our attempt at doing good and being good, it, it just never works, period. You're like, oh, but I was so good. No, you're not. How many of you know a good person? Raise your hand. How many of you think, like, I know a good person, right? We think we know good people. How many of you are like, I'm kind of a good person. I think I am. I'll raise my hand. I'm like, I'm, I think I'm a good person. Some of you are like, this is a trick question. Don't raise your hand. Don't do it. <laughs> I try not to do trick questions, but this one kind of, kind of is. Because we have, we have our idea of what, of what good is. But our idea of what good is, it's different than God's. A man actually came to Jesus in Mark 10 and at, to ask him a question. Mark 10, verse 17. And it says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him to ask him a question, fell on his knees and says, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18, Jesus answered and says, why do you call me good? Because no one is good except God. He's like, why do you call me good? And he really, he was trying to identify, are you just being polite? Do you know who I am? Do you see me as the Savior? He's trying to identify it, but at the same time, he sets the standard. He's like, look, you think you're good, you're not. Your attempt at good is cologne on a dead body. You can change the brand, it's still a dead body. It doesn't work. It rots, it stinks. That's just how it works. Our attempt at good does not work. Observing the law does not work. Now, the law that they're referring to is is the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, referred to as the Torah. In that, there's about 631, I haven't counted them, but that's what they say, 631 laws, to follow, and now you—how many of you think you could follow 631 laws? Raise your hand. Not me. Not me. But I also look at that number and I think, well, does 631? Who could follow 631 laws? How many of you think you could follow like 250? Not a single hand went up. You guys are like, uh-uh, I don't know what they are. But he's back to these trick questions. <laughs> Keep them down, right? How many of you think you could follow 10 laws? Uh, Xavier shot his hand up. He's like, I got that. How many of you think you could follow one? One. Most of us. Some of you are like, trick question, trick question. Depends on what the law is. Yeah, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. How about this one? How about we just do one law and we do this one? Don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. <sighs> Fail. Complete fail. Adam and Eve had one, and they blew it. After that, there's 630. Count them for yourself. It could be more, it could be less. Don't come back next week. He said it wrong. Where are those leaders that come in? I don't know the exact number. 630 and one. Both of them fail. Everything in between, they fail. It doesn't work, and that's why Jesus came. He came from the very beginning, from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. God is pronouncing judgment. Satan, Adam, and Eve, they're all right there. God pronounces judgment, and yet he says this. He says to the snake, he says, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. Prophesying from the very moment that this happened that Jesus would come, be the seed of the woman, and crush the devil's head, which he did. He took care of what nobody else could. The law couldn't do it. So over and over, Paul's like, why are you going back to trying to do things right to have a good relationship with God? It never works. God doesn't love you because you do it right. Works don't make you closer to God. God's not dangling a string or not answering a prayer because you didn't pray long enough or do it just right. That's not it. Jesus did it all. They did it all. And they were so close to the change of this that they, like many of us, wanted to perform. Who likes to perform? Like, give, get, let me know how to win. I want to know exactly how to do this, and, and then I'll, I'll do it. And then give me my recognition. Like, I'm in. My ones, my twos, my threes. You're like, here, here we go. This is what we get to do. And that's what they kept going back to, and Paul's like, you don't do that. It does not work. Verse 17, if while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, because it does. We look and we're like, we're just broken. Does that mean that Christ promotes sin? He says, absolutely not. But if I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I'm a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. He's like, I died to the law. You cannot live up to it. It does not work. James 2.10, in talking about the law, says this, whoever keeps the whole law, 631, laws, whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at just one point, 630, not quite 631, I missed that one, is guilty of breaking it all. He says, if you're a law breaker, you broke the law. And then the judgments that come with that are on you. You did everything right until you didn't. And now it's not working anymore. No, we need Jesus. Paul died. He said, the sin, I'm going to... I am a sinner, he says, I cannot do this. It's Jesus, it's only Jesus. There's nothing else but Jesus. It's just that. So what was the point of the law? Why was all of this even done? We can't do it. But it pointed to the need of a savior. And as we look in the Old Testament and we see them trying to do this right and never getting it right, and then, okay, offer an animal and a sacrifice and shed its blood, and you have to do this, why? Because you made these mistakes, and and you've got to bring this in here, and you have all these laws that you didn't make, and it all pointed to a need for a Savior. It wasn't working. If it had worked, there would be no reason for Jesus to come back, but it didn't. So Jesus is like, watch what I will do. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus is talking. Many of your Bibles will have this read, and he said this. He says, do not misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses, it's the first, those laws in those first five books of the Bible. He said, I didn't come to abolish those writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. What they were unable to do, Jesus did. What works could never do, Jesus did. What sacrifices were never able to do, Jesus did. He said, I came, I died, I shed my blood. Romans says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. There was was no way of doing it. So Jesus said, I'll shed my blood. We took communion and we remembered that his blood was shed for us in our place. Paul's like, this is what we're doing. Don't go back to thinking I have to do this and I have to do that. No, you're made right with God because of what Jesus did and nothing else. And now that I'm right with him, I'm going to serve him, give him my life, and God, use me. And now I'm going to do what you want me to. We're not saved by works, we're saved for works. Now that I am yours, God, use me. You've given me gifts. You've given me talents. Help me use them to, build, to make a difference in this world. I don't want to spend my time building sandcastles that are going to disappear. God, I want to make a difference, and that means building your kingdom. And that's what we get to do. Because of what Jesus, we don't have to worry about the other side of getting right with God because we never could. And Paul is just beating it into these guys over and over. He's like, no, that's not it. You've got to step away from that. And just realize he loves you. He loves you just the way you are. Come to him just the way you are. You don't need to change anything. Don't be the person that won't go to the gym because they're not in good enough shape. That makes no sense. (laughs) Don't be the person that doesn't come to God because you're like, but I'm so broken. God's like, I know, and I want you just like that. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants you to come to him, let him do what you couldn't do, forgiveness, freedom, let him give it to you, and then watch him put his spirit on the inside of you, and the things that you were not able to do on your own, the life that you wanted to live, the forgiveness you wanted to give, that you couldn't, let him do it through you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're rounding it out I just want to make sure That if you're here And you say, that's me I'm broken I'm messed up I've made a mess But today I want to give it to God I want Him to come in Make me new The life I've been trying to live I want Him by His Spirit To empower me to do it To fill me with His love I don't want to, I don't want to hate, but to fill me with his love, to make me new. And I want to make a difference in this world. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you. Romans says this, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. It has nothing to do with what we did, because Jesus did it all. And then... We become his. He fills us, makes us new. was says he gives us the peace that passes, all understanding how it comes through the knowledge of God, of knowing him and knowing where you stand with him. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right there in your seat. If you're watching online, right there where you are, this is for you. If you're like, today's my day, I want to give my life to him. Maybe you're just saying, today I, today's the day I'm coming back. I've been doing my own thing, but today I'm giving it all to him. And at the count of three, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Just sign to God in me that this is your declaration, that this is your day. If that's you, get ready. One, two, three. Shoot it up. Say, that's me. Today's my day. Awesome. All right, hands down. And Here's what I'd like. Everybody just repeat after me online. You too. Let's just say this all out loud those of you that lifted your hands say these words but as you do make them your own say them from your heart let's pray now say Jesus forgive me and make me new from now on I'm yours thank you for shedding your blood for dying on the cross for me with all that I am I choose you from rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.